Hello and welcome to the True to Life podcast um, with Nanak Tagore. Today I'm joined by Sean French. A really cool story about how we actually got in contact was, I think he was collaborating with Coach Riley, 6am practice on Instagram. And he's someone that I found when I was just trying to do some outreach with my own podcast. And I ran across his page, shot him a DM. And really now we're here, we've been in communication for the last couple of weeks, but really excited to dive into your you know, stories as a student athlete, but then also now what you've built and what you're trying to do with outreach back, you know, pouring back into student athletes. So really excited to do, to be here and get this show going. So yeah, no, just to get started uh, with, with your, with your playing career, you know, with, uh, with baseball, I know we talked a little bit, but what was that like uh, growing up with sports for you? Dude, first of all, thanks for having me on your show, dude. It's an honor and uh, I respect what you're doing and the fact that you're doing it at, at such a young you know, age as a student athlete is just tremendous. And I think it's a sign of the times and you're ahead of it, bro. So congratulations. And like I said, it's an honor. So my playing days, man, oh my gosh. In in college, it was, it was interesting because when I left high school, I wasn't recruited by any four-year colleges because of back then I wasn't in very good shape and I was, you know, a little bit soft. I had a great arm. I could swing it and I was a catcher and I was really good. And, but there just wasn't really many, not a lot of people recruiting me. And so I decided to go to the junior college route and I lost Madonna's college. And I played for um, the late, great Mike Dutzman. Um, he mentored me ever since I was 13 years old in baseball. He was my catching instructor and my hitting instructor. So I said, naturally, I'm just going to go play for this guy. He wants me and he, and he believes in me. I'm there. Well, that first year, I, I expected to be the starter because that's all I've ever been in my life. And what I quickly found is those that transitions. somebody was, yeah. dude, like someone was bigger, stronger, and just better than me at the time. And just a little bit more matured, right? As a sophomore. So I found myself platooning with our number one, our number one arm, our lefty Kyle Turner back in the day. He was a draft and follow guy. And it's crazy. The first game I ever caught in junior college baseball, the pitcher threw a perfect game. Wow. And it's dude, I was so tight, man. I could have gone into vapor lock the whole time. I remember, you know, a perfect game you know, for the for the listeners that don't know baseball. It's like he didn't let anybody on base. Like not one person, not a walk, not by air, not a hit, nothing. And he struck out 17 dudes in nine innings. 11 wow. of them were in the dirt. I had to block, right? And he had a nasty splitty. So I either had to block it and tag the guy or block it and throw the runner out. And when it got to about the sixth, seventh inning, I realized what was going on. It was the scariest moment, moment up to my, in my life up to that point because it's like, dude, if I screw this up, like I'm going to cost this guy a perfect game. So after the game, we completed the perfect game. It was the most amazing experience to be a part of something like that. Like at a, at a college level, it was nuts. And so I ended up being the backup that year. And the next year I got in great shape. You know, the off season, I cut down to like 13% body fat. I was just shredded and ready to go. And in the fall, I started feeling really sick and I had some pains in, underneath my arm couldn't really understand what was going on. And I had a 102 and a half degree fever, for like three weeks. Oh man. And I was playing with this thing. Not like I was playing with it. And every time I would catch a bullpen and I would, I'd reach my arm up like past this parallel point to here. And I felt like someone was stabbing me underneath my armpit, like in my armpit. And it was just a lot of pain. And finally, my girlfriend at the time said, you know, enough's enough. This has been going on for like a month. You're going to the hospital right now. Sometimes um, you need so that person sick. that'll just put you, like, just tell Dude, you what has to happen. Yeah, man. Like, 
she's like, okay, we're going to the hospital now. My parents were away at a wedding that I was supposed to be at, but I was too sick to go. And I got there and I had a blood clot. And so it, long story short, put me out for a whole year. I lost, you know, my, my scholarship. Cause at that point, university of Louisville had offered me 80%. So I was like super psyched. I was going to go to Louisville. That's where my dad was from. I just wanted to go there so badly. And, um, it didn't work out, man. They found out I was in the hospital and they took it from me. And so I was out that whole year. Then I played my, you know, I had to go to school, not play that sophomore year, go back to junior college a third year so I can actually play and then get a scholarship. And finally LSU came calling after the draft, both of their catchers, um, got drafted and they were just left with, with really no catchers. And so. You know, I basically took lunch money to go play at Louisiana State University, you know, because it's one of the schools that I thought I never had a shot at, but it was the best school in the country to play wow. baseball at. They had just they had just won the national championship, and I signed with them two like a week later. And you said both of their catchers went went pro. They won the draft, yeah. They won the draft that year as a junior, uh, junior and a senior. And I'm like, call my catching guy, my catching coach. I'm like, hey, bro, do you know anybody at LSU? And he goes, actually, I do. He goes, game on, let's go. And then it worked out. And then I got there and I worked all summer, just like I normally did. I always focused really, really intensely on my athletic skills, my weight training, my, my skill work behind the plate, of my course. hitting. There's one thing that I, that I didn't really work on as an athlete is my mind. Right. And the mind is this kind of going into where I'm at right now and how I'm helping, you know, student athletes, you know, all the way up from, you know, the eighth grade, all the way. You know, I have some professional baseball players that I work with. And the biggest thing, man, is if you don't work your mind and build up that mental toughness and resilience within your sport to understand that peak performance does not mean perfect performance, you're going to fail, right? Because there's a lot of failure baked into the game of baseball, but also into all sports, right? I mean, I'm I'm sure you're not 100% at the free throw line, dude. There's failure built not. in. No, always. Right? Exactly. I mean, you're not, you know, you're not, you're not Steph Curry out there dropping, you know, he's not even perfect. Right. I mean, so think about it. Right. So if we, if we expect ourselves to be perfect, that's when we go down that drain of, of, of despair. And that's where I was when I was in college, man. So for, once I got to LSU, then I got injured again, complete, you know, rotator cuff. I had, had the whole surgery done and it put me out for two years and looking back at it, it's like, okay, maybe that second year, was I still hurt? Was I just scared? You know, so it's just one of those things, man, that as an athlete, I didn't achieve what I wanted to when I got to Louisiana State University because the six inches between my ears were not being worked on at a younger age. And that's what I help young athletes with now. So yeah, that's my background. Into the, getting into the mental game. No, I, I appreciate it because you hit so many different, you know, points there. Be staying ready, working hard, for like just from behind. I mean, a lot of people get discouraged when they're not right in that you know, top spot. I mean, everyone wants to be the, you know, for basketball, the 30 point per game score, the guy on the team. I mean, mm -hmm. everyone wants like that, like the fame and the glamor of all that, but just staying ready, stay in the course. I mean, you're battling injuries. I mean, you've, you've had a very complete athletic experience and mm -hmm. you know, injuries are a part of a lot of athletes journey. Unfortunately, I mean, injuries are just a part of life, 
uh, I mean, along that, because with this show, speaking about the student athlete experience and just talking about it honestly, like, and being, being truthful, how did you balance, like, while being injured and in the depths, your mind wasn't in the right place? How are you focusing on school? Because you still got to focus on school. You got family. You got other problems outside of that. Yeah. I think that's what I'm really trying to look at with my with my guests and see, like, what worked for you to to balance and organize all those things in your mind to ultimately get to where you are now. My man, I would be lying to you if I told you that I had balance back then. I, I would no, be telling honest. you, true to life here, I'd be honest. telling you in your in your in your audience a complete lie. How I coped was I found myself in the bars. I mean, you know, and not really focusing on school, and it almost got me kicked out. I mean, after my first semester, I had a one point five, dude, and I and I had an academic probation letter sent to my parents. That's scary, and I mean that was a scary moment, right? So. Um, eventually I kind of got my act together. Right. And, and I started coping a little bit better my senior year, but for the years I was injured. I mean, dude, it was just me being an idiot. And so I wouldn't change it for the world though, man. Cause I'm gonna tell you right now, because now I can smell it when an athlete's doing that and not putting in the work and not working hard in school, I can see right through it because I was that lived, guy. Yeah. It was a lived experience for you. I lived it, man. And those moments where I was so ashamed of, you know, back in 2003, when I graduated all the way until probably 2010, like it just, it was hard on me. But now I look back at those moments, man, those were gifts because I'm able now to have a different skill set than a lot of other people working with athletes because all they know is success. You know, maybe, maybe they had the great experience that they thought they were going to have. But for me, it wasn't like that. I mean, yeah, it was good, man. I got to go play in a college world series in 2003. That was really wow. neat. Yeah. It was really neat. Huge. That was at the old Rosenblatt stadium, not the new one, the old one. I got to play games at the old Alex box stadium. The let like it was a It was a mystical place. The beautiful, beautiful experiences that I can call on. And, and quite honestly, it's, you know, half the stuff I have in my life now is because of those moments at LSU. When you, when people see that on the resume, it's just, it's a lot different. Right. Oh, so it helped me and it set me up, you know, in the failure and the things I was going through set me up for what I'm doing now. And I think that that is why when I speak to a lot of individuals such as yourself and then even the athletes that I work with, like I come off very authentic because I am, because I'm not going to sit there and lie. Authentic but those experiences, exactly what we're looking for here. So that's big. Yeah, dude. Like my experience has shaped who I am. And I just, I'm happy about it. I'm at peace finally. I mean, I feel like what you said about how you wouldn't want to change it for the world. And oftentimes people get asked the question. Like I was even thinking in my head, oh, what would you have done differently? And you answered it. Like you're 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 grateful for all your experiences because it'll happen for a reason. You're the person you are now. And like I've also found along my journey is it does feel way better once that process is earned too. Cause mm -hmm. like I redshirted last year, like my first year in college. Um yeah, Holy Cross, right? Holy names, holy names, holy names. Sorry, yeah, yeah, because uh, wanted to get stronger, you know, just become more of a a, a college level player, like straight out of high school. Mm -hmm. So I did that for development, and then school ended up shutting down, and then got the opportunity to transfer to Dominican and San Rafael Bay Area, and there was seventeen guys on the team from from the start. And this this I haven't actually talked about this yet on the on the pod yet. I haven't done a solo pod, so we're getting this um this is first time. Um. 17 guys coming here. I wasn't promised any minutes, wasn't promised an opportunity at all. Uh, really just, I was guaranteed a number and I was guaranteed just to basically be at practice. Uh, uh -huh. 
showed up every single day, haven't missed a single practice, haven't missed weight room session, haven't missed film. I've been very, very present. Uh, slowly over the course of this season, we've had a couple guys, you know, go back home, quit. We've had two guys quit. Um, unfortunately, some guys went down due to injuries. Some guys had a red shirt. And as luck may have it for me in my position, we're now down to the point where we have seven guys on our active roster for a Division two college basketball team, which is pretty crazy. Um, wow. We have two two that will be coming back. They have, like, some MCL strains, and they'll, they'll be back in the next, like, week or two. But I, I'm I'm playing my first college minutes now midway through the season, and it's just because I stayed ready and I've been present mm-hmm. and available at all times. So it's, like, me living the message that I preach and then seeing it happen in real time has been – a really strange experience because I've just been silently just doing the work, chipping away, living my process. And now it's all finally, you know, coming full circle. I'm getting the opportunities. And I was just, I was thinking about that also while you were talking, just about it, it feels much better knowing what all you went through to get there. So, I mean, thank you. You got, got my wheels turning already. So bro, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm, I'm impressed by you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm that. really impressed by you because you're so well-spoken you you have your stuff together and you are literally living how you're supposed to be living just showing up putting in the work you know not attaching to an outcome but be just being ready man and i think that you're finding joy in the journey and that's why you're being blessed with your minutes on the court and you know there's no there's no there's no mistake dude there's I haven't no told mistake. my coach. I haven't told my coach. Every time I'm put out there on the floor, my dreams are coming true because my entire life growing up as a as a high school player was get to college, get to college, get mm-hmm. to college. Now I'm here and I'm not playing. It was frustrating. I, I had a lot of lot of spans of time where it's like, why am I doing all this work? Why am I do, mm-hmm. putting in all this extra time? And then you see it unfold, and I get an opportunity to to prove that it's all worth it. And obviously, people like listening and people that you know uh, that I'm in contact with are seeing that it is possible for someone that was very under-recruited, a little bit more like undersized. I wasn't super big, not really athletic. I'm not really athletically gifted, to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely have like some basketball height and things of that nature, but I'm not inclined to, to sports. So to, to see that and be hopefully an example for people looking up has been honestly like my biggest joy and also doing this podcast for that main reason as I'm able to now pour back into others has been Dude. the goal. <laughs> it's unbelievable. What, how, what, how old are you? I'm 19. <laughs> which is why I'm just like connecting words. with you. I mean, the determined society, I mean, obviously that's what we're going to get into here next, but it just seems like such a great, you know, community that, that you're, you're trying to build and perfect segue actually. So please explain determined society. What are you doing there? And how's that, how's that process been for you? Yeah. So the determined society, I, I, I literally made that name up like one that's day and I was talking yeah. to my friend, Nicole, and she's like, what do you want? Dude? Like, what, what's your brand? Who are you? Like, I have no idea. And so she told me to, you know, take a picture of myself and put it up on my stories and then, you know, pull the audience. What's the word, first word that you uh, comes to mind when you look at this picture? And my buddies had some pretty choice words, just kind of, of me like this <laughs> douchebag, idiot, you know, loser. Um, but then most people would say coach, coach, determine, 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 mm. determination, determined. I'm like, huh? I'm like, okay, but what does that mean? Cool. People think I'm determined, like neat. And she goes, well, what do you want? I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I just want to wake up in a in a society where people wake up and determined to go chase down their dreams, man. Like, I I don't want to be in a world where people don't bet on themselves. Be true. And she goes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. she goes, that's it. Determined society. I go, I don't like it. I don't like oh. it. It's missing something. I go, the determined society. Let's make it exclusive. And so I made a little Facebook group. 
it's this little face group page. And then all of a sudden I'm driving down the road one day and I'm like, podcast. Wow. Okay. Let's do it. Search how to make a podcast. And I literally made a podcast in my car, like in a, in a hospital parking lot. Cause at that time I was a medical device rep. I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to make, make a podcast and record my first show later. And it was God awful. God awful. Like I can't even go back and listen to my stuff. No, but <laughs> it's right now I'm, it's just crazy, man. It's <laughs> just going back and, you know, listening to the old stuff and then, you know, listening even over the last year, how much better the show has gotten. Um, but my show now I interview a lot of athletes and a lot of entrepreneurs that have one thing in mind, mental toughness, grit, and all that kind of stuff, because I feel success isn't this elusive thing, you know, that people say, oh, I just want to be successful. How do I do it? It's like, man, you just got to like, you got to know the recipe, but then you got to, then you got to, you got to execute the recipe. You got to carry it out. You can't just think about it and talk about it. You got to carry it out. Yeah, man. You got to carry it out. It's like, you got to be willing, you know, to suck at something for a little while, right? You, I mean, you have to be bad at something in order to get good at something. So I think it's just really falling in love with what you are doing and how are you, and how you're trying to achieve these dreams, man, that's the determined society. That's is what your, it's is about. This your, is this your full-time job now too? Like with everything well, so that is encompassed actually, there? Yeah. So I have a couple different, a few different things that I'm involved in. So um, I did put my resignation in um, corporate America. So um, the 31st is my very last official day in corporate America. So that's I'm no big. longer a medical device sales rep. But before that, I, I was selling payroll. And that's how I grew up in the sales industry. And so I've been building a payroll business um, kind of on the side with a partner of mine who's a who's an accountant. And that business needed me full time now. So I'm in that. Of course, my show and my coaching programs, my group coaching. And then I also um, own a business with my, one of my best friends, Stephen Campolo, and we're uh, creating corporate wellness programs for corporations out there. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's nuts. So things are busy. Um, but yes, I am a full-time entrepreneur now. I mean, the skills that you learn as an athlete, and that's what I think is so important, is you can apply those, like the, the grit, determination, like being able to focus on things. Because, you know, to be able to build like your body physically, that requires a lot of focus and mental discipline. And then by applying those skill sets to anything, you can apply it to school, this show that I'm doing, whatever it is I want to attack. If I just apply that work ethic across the board, I feel like you can find success in it if you apply that same work ethic that you give to your sport. If you're like, I really, if you really love your sport and that's, you put a lot of passion into that. And I feel like that's kind of what you're, what you're doing now. I don't want to speak for you, but by applying that mindset across the board, you're building this, all of this whole platform now where you have your hand in a whole bunch of different ponds. And that's really how it should be. I mean, you're probably busy like all day because you have so many different things and people you're responsible for on top of having a family too. So, I mean, that's very complete. Yeah, man. So like I, I, Full disclosure, I was supposed to have a call at six tonight, had you at eight, and then then a client at nine, but the bookends canceled for tonight because it had I'm like, oh man. So I went to dinner with my family, you know, we kicked it and, and you know, I, put, I was able to put my kids down and uh, you know, and it, which I do every night, right? I, I always put my kids down. But as far as sports and what it teaches you, I think it teaches you and grooms you for moments in life that you know you come up against and you just want to quit. And you just know that you can't because there's an invisible team behind you, Mm. you know, and you know that if you quit, you're letting people down that love you. And more than that, if you quit, and for those of you listening right now or watching this, 
if you think of quitting, I want you to think of all the future people that you're not going to be able to impact. That's selfish. That's selfish. You're taking from the world. Your job is to give to the world. That's bad. That's, That's big time. I mean, the invisible <laughs> team behind you, I've never heard someone say that or conceptualize that. And I'm thinking, because I'm a visual person, mm -hmm. I'm lifting them in the weight room. If I don't get that extra set in, all the people mm -hmm. that believe in me, that have poured into me, letting them down. Let's push yeah. this last rep up. Like, if you use that to fuel you in all aspects, like, sky's the limit. I think just grasping that concept. I've never heard that before. That, that That's awesome. Honestly, it's the first time I've ever said it. No way. I, I'm, yeah, I, I swear. It's just exclusive I, knowledge then for the It was a podcast. download. It was a download, bro. Like, straight up, it was like, boop. I'm like, yes, the invisible team. Because in, in the reason why I say invisible team, because a, a, lot, a lot of times lately that I'm getting a lot of messages from people that I don't even know are paying attention, right? Um, and I'm starting to get text messages and messages on social media from them like, Dude, you're, this is incredible. Thank you so much. Like, I see you, bro. I see you. You're you're like this little celebrity now, and I laugh. I'm like, what are you even talking about? I'm the same dude, man. I'm the same. Well, I'm, I'm better. I'm better now, right? I'm a better person. Um, but like, I just don't see myself like that. I'm just doing what comes natural to me. But I think the moral of the story is with the invisible team. There's a bunch of people rooting for you that you don't know that are. And so let's focus on those people. Let's make them write about you, not the haters. Because I feel like too oftentimes, I know this happens to me, is when you go dark or when you're not really reaching out to people, you start to see like who's really rocking with you. Because mm -hmm. like if you just go dark and you don't text anyone first, and like I've seen some videos of people talking about this, that man, like, oh, no one cares about you. Like that whole like thought, thought process. But really there are so many other people, like they're just, absorbed in their own lives but that doesn't mean they're not thinking about you and that's why i like the word invisible because they are there and they are thinking about yeah. you you just don't necessarily see it and it's not being told to you every single day but yeah. it is there and i think just having that belief is huge a belief and using the mind like you're speaking to as well is huge once you unlock that piece again sky's the limit and i've actually had a um a mental performance coach on this on this podcast who i was connected with back at holy names and that was one of my favorite episodes because we were just talking about meditation, mindfulness, and just mm -hmm. controlling and mastering the mind. It's an everyday battle. And that's what you can just slowly start chipping away. And so many layers to uncover um, a lot. With, within the mental There's game. A lot. So yeah. when I, read, I read in your bio that you're a mental coach. So is that something mm -hmm. that you've like, you know, worked on and seen like, so just please describe like that process of how you became a mental coach. So I think, I think for me, I, I became a mental performance coach for athletes and entrepreneurs because I know what torpedoed me, right? I was treating symptoms and not the root of the problem. Treating symptoms. So, yeah. Wow. I mean, if you treat the symptom, you're never going to get the root, right? So it's going to keep coming up. And so I had a guest on my show last week, uh, Dr. Rob Kelly, and he kind of said that he said the same exact thing. And I'm like, dude, like, you know, this guy are so aligned because if you don't go back, like he said, if you don't, if you don't go back to the scene of the crime and fix it, then it's, it, you're never going to get better. So for me, you know, and that he was talking about child, childhood trauma, right? And so you can have trauma within sports that can be part of your childhood trauma. I mean, there's a lot of kids nowadays that have crazy parents and travel ball organizations and AAU basketball, like they're traumatizing their children because of their, their intensity and, you know, it's my kids age too. You can see like, dude, it's, it's disgusting. 
even younger. It's disgusting. It's disgusting, bro. I had somebody come at me on Facebook and because I was, I, I went off on travel baseball and I don't believe in travel baseball for young people. Um, you know, I, I don't think you need to have a nine-year-old or an eight-year-old in travel ball to be seen and play with the best players. Dude, let them go play rec ball. Like, let them go play. Let me be kids. And then when they're 13, then get serious, right? Put them in those organizations. Well, the bottom line is like those moments and, and, and those pressures as a young child, those kids are going to grow up. And they're going to be in college and they're going to be scared to make mistakes. And then when they feel no one's watching, they're going to lose their mind because they were brought up to be conditioned that somebody's always watching you to recruit you. And just play the game. Like enjoy, enjoy the game for what it is. And you really build yeah, what happened with that? It. Yeah. What happened Absolutely. with that? Playing six games in a day because there's college coaches around. Like that's putting a really toll. Okay. Well, you just said, sorry, I almost went over it. Athletes feeling like there's always a pressure on them if someone's watching. That's really big because I think we're going to see that in the next even like couple of years as, you know, the mm -hmm. COVID is slowly like moving and now, you know, college, the whole transition and the transfer portal, all that's going to start like leveling out. Hopefully at some point, kids are still going to be, they're so accustomed to just playing games, 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 games all the time. They're going to get to their college program and it's not necessarily like that. Other than when you're in season, there's mm -hmm. so much other work that's accounted for mm -hmm. that they're not realize all they're thinking about is just, oh, it's just all about games. Yeah. And if you come into college with the mindset of it's only about games, you're not really there for the program and for the guys and for the process. You're mm -hmm. going to find your way out pretty soon. Unless you're just extremely talented and you're just the exception mm -hmm. to the rule. Like that's a little bit different, but that that's very insightful. You're dropping some bombs for me. So I just wanted to point that one yeah, out. I appreciate that, man. It's like, that's how I became a mental performance coach is yeah. because I knew where I messed up and I knew where I was needed. And I see it all the time. I see it. I see it on social media. I can tell I'm like, geez, like, <laughs> some of these parents could really use to talk to me. Like I, I thought about creating programs for parents, you know, cause I, I mean, they, like they, they need to get their shit straight, dude. They, There's a lot of education that yeah, parents can need to, yeah. I mean, with recruiting as well, sometimes parents can hurt their chances with recruiting oh. for their kid. If they're like trying to oh, over advocate for their kid, yes. your coach, that can really hurt your chances as well. So it I don't can. know if I have any parents actually listen to this show, but it's still a very important factor to consider. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, in terms of yeah. parents' role in, in, in recruiting in that yeah. aspect. You know, it's funny you said something, how, you know, COVID's kind of leveling out, so maybe the transfer portal starts leveling out. I don't think it'll ever level out. Here's why. NIL yeah. turned college sports into free agency. Good point. Dude. That's a very good point. I mean. Grass is always green on the other side too, right? So Hey, listen. Like, if you're, if you're a high-level athlete, okay, you're a football player, and you're playing at, let's say, a small school, and you go off and then an LSU comes and offers you someone says, okay, NIL, here's a mill. What are you going to do? He gone. I mean, come on. I haven't I seen mean, that kind of money it. in their life. Right. So Dude, like Bryce crazy. young, the quarterback, remember Bryce young from Alabama. He's playing in the NFL. Now he was a millionaire before he took a snap. Yeah, no, that, that is crazy, bro. That, that's, that's different. Crazy. That's crazy. It's definitely going to change the landscape. I say that's why you got to just love the game, and not everyone's going to be that. Not going to be a Bryce Young, right? So, no, you can't all no. expect that. It's just not going to be realistic. Um, Dude, here's but, a fun exercise for you. Yeah, what's that? here's so a fun sure. exercise for you. Take these high-level uh, football athletes, right? In NCAA, big Division One colleges, the studs. Go Google their, their net worth. 
Oh, in college? Mm-hmm. The college ones? I will. Oh, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll write that down. I'll, that'll be an exercise yeah. for me later. I'll, I'll do that. Thank you. Yeah. And I'll shoot you a text on some. It's nuts. It, for sure. It's, it's nuts, dude. It's like, wow. You know? So, anyway. So, as I have a couple more questions I want to get to, and you can try to um, answer these however you'd like. So, they're more of like advice questions and you speaking from a point of your, where you are in your life now, because you've obviously had a chance to reflect on, on your career and everything that you've done. If there was something that you could tell a kid that wants has division one aspirations, because then the you did make it to that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is, what is your advice for them on that journey of, of how to get there? You spoke to the mental game, but if there's anything in addition to that. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about a kid that, that can play, you know, sport, they're in high school or junior college that has D one ability and they're going through the recruiting process, here's what I would say. Have fun, man. Just just have fun. Like, same same with the girls. Have a good time and play the sport for what it is. And what they'll find, you know, these, these male and female athletes, when they do that and they shift their focus from what's going on and where their feet are at instead of where they want them to be, they're going to get everything they want. The problem is people don't trust at, the process. Yeah. Yeah. They don't trust the process. They want to force it. Can't Human beings it. are like that. They want Can't to force rush things. Yeah, they want to rush it. Yeah. I like that. Just enjoy, have fun with the game. Because if you, yeah, you're right. Do you want potential and you're very talented? If you just play the game that you love, everything will fall into place. Yeah. Yeah. It will. I, I think that's yeah. really good. So, what is, if you could put a pin on the best skill that you learned as a student athlete, what do you think that would be? Wait, repeat that again. Yeah. So, if you could put a pin in, the the skill that you learned that was most valuable for you as a student athlete, what do you think it was? Resilience. Resilience. You had that yeah, one. I mean, that, that's yeah. You had that one super right in the chamber. Yeah, that's dude. You that's your bullet, dude. Like if you, if you can be resilient as a male and female athlete, you're gonna be just fine. Nothing's the gonna phase you. Bounce back. No, you'll you'll understand it. It'll phase you for a quick moment, but then you're like, okay, I have perspective. I need to shift my paradigm. This is not poor me. This is like, okay, this is information. This is feedback and it's neutral and I'm going to go. I'm going to fix it and then I'm just going to focus on fixing it and I'm going to let the chips fall where they may. But the problem is most athletes don't let the chips fall where they may. They want to control it and it just doesn't work. I think also along the student, as long as like your athletic journey goes, you're not going to be able to pinpoint and move everything exactly how you want it to be. You have to leave it up to your work in the process and let let it all unfold as it's supposed to. And I think resiliency really does allow you to be okay with that because no matter what, I'll find a way, I'll bounce back, I'll make it happen. Well, one of the biggest problem with that is people – here's the other thing. When you grow up and you play a sport, whether it's basketball, football, or baseball, see, people didn't know who Sean French was, but they knew who Sean the catcher was. Mm. So the identity is wrapped up into it. And so you hold on so tight and you force it and you force it and you force it because you're so scared that if it doesn't work out, not that, not that it's so bad in the long run, but the problem is you're afraid people won't know you. And, and here's the other, here's the worst part about it. You won't know you. It's the worst part. It's the worst part. It happened to me last out college world series. We lost 11 to 10 to South Carolina in 2003. The moment that last out was recorded, I lost my, I lost it. I didn't know who Sean French was. Mm. That's a scary moment. It's a scary moment. So, you know, hey, listen, you know, why not help athletes understand that they are not their sport? They are human beings, not human doings. 
Absolutely. I just leave, leave that right there. Um, so as we're uh, bringing this episode to a close, I have two more things for you. One of them, any final words, any shout outs or anything that you want to just put out there to the people that I have listening, young student athletes listening, or just anyone, you know, to the broader world, because you never know who's listening out there. If, if any, any final words that you can share before we uh, bring this guy to a close? I would just say, don't be afraid to be who you are, right? I mean, I think so many people in this world see something on TV or see their buddy in the locker room and they want to be just like that person. And they envy so many people like, and they, and they want to be those people. The reality is what they don't understand. They envy those people because there's certain characteristics and qualities that they also possess just like that person. That's why you gravitated to them in the first place. Right. So understand where that attraction is coming from. It's coming from like, it's what you see it in yourself. It's part of you. Like, so just open up and don't worry about how people are going to react to you. Be mindful of how you speak to people and, you know, you don't want to hurt people in the process, but for all that is holy, be who you are. God made you, you are a limited edition. You're one of one. Don't try to be somebody else. Wow. That is something that I personally fall fall back into sometimes. Like I try to live live my life my own life and be authentic and true. And that's honestly one of the reasons why I am doing this show to kind of open up my life a little bit and be honest. And it's still a struggle every day because I do look to the next guy sometimes. And I speak honestly about that. It's something I'm working on every day. But the way you worded it about how the qualities you're seeing in others and that you might be envying of others are really things that are deep inside of you or things that you have in yourself. It's just they're expressing it in different ways that, that you want it to be like for yourself. And just allowing for that reflection is huge. I well, I, I didn't I didn't express as, as well as you did, but I'm I'm really happy you said thank you. <laughs> I thank, love thank it, dude. Um, Absolutely, bro. All right. So a customary tradition is the rapid fire question. So I got three for you. Um Sweet. if it wasn't baseball as your sport, what would you have played? I wish I could have been good at football. Football, cool. Yeah. Uh, what's one word to describe your life? Oh, oh man, there's so many, dude. I'm laughing because I the first thing that came to my mind was hectic. I mean, just straight fair. up. I mean, it's there's a lot going on. Three beautiful children, you know, a ten year old son, two beautiful daughters, a gorgeous wife, three companies. It's hectic, man. It's a it's good a hectic though at times. I mean, it's a blessing. Yeah. Yeah, it's man. It's all good. And the last one, what if you, it was your last meal on earth, what's on your plate? Pizza. Pizza. <laughs> what are your toppings? It, what are your toppings on the pizza? Yeah, I'm a, just a pepperoni and mushroom guy. I just, just that's up. it. I just love it. I love it. Love pizza. Was that what was your pregame meal? That this wasn't a question. I'm just curious. Oh, dude, I dude, it, whatever was in the locker room for us, man. We'd walk in and there was like food everywhere it was usually like you know cajun food or something yeah. cool like you know it was nuts man yeah, that's it was awesome. the craziest experience ever yeah no sean I, I really appreciate it thank you so much i never knew that you could just shoot a cold dm to someone and you know create a potential relationship i'm definitely going to keep in touch with you and keep you updated you better on the journey and you better um, man and if i come you no know, knocking for advice or questions no don't be too mad at me um, I'm here, bro. Hey, I appreciate you. You definitely have a friendship in me and, and, you know, I appreciate what you're doing. I see you. And and honestly, it's refreshing and mark my words, bro. 
by the time you're 30, you will be a millionaire. I'm telling you right now. Because um, you are different, bro. You are different. It. Yeah, man. Um, sure. All right, so that will uh, bring this amazing episode to a close. Uh, if you have any questions or anything in the episode that you would like to talk about, please reach out at True to Life Podcast on Instagram or me individually at Nanak Tagore, as well as Sean and everything he's a part of. That will all be in the episode notes. So please go and tap in with him and everything he's doing. There's, It's all going to be in the show notes as well as you've heard it here today. So thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll be back here next time.